Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Two U.S. surgeons wrote a probing op-ed titled America's Failed Opioid Policy drove the Tulsa shooter to violence. Now, the surgeons point to a Tulsa spinal surgery patient reportedly in terrible post-operative pain, unable to access um, effective pain management medication, and the patient subsequently shot and killed the surgeon and the others at the Tulsa hospital. Now, before we talk to the surgeons and the op-ed they wrote, I want you to listen. It's one minute in 13 seconds. Please play it. I get pain pills every, maybe every two, three months, okay? I can make one monthly prescription of pain pills last two or three months because I don't really take it unless I absolutely need it. And when you have metastatic cancer in your bones, you need it because sometimes the pain is so much you can't even function. And I just want to function. I just want to be able to go to work and I want to be able to sleep and I want to be able to do things with my child and and I just want it not to hurt all the time. I've got cancer. I have terminal cancer. So I've had to get my pain pills filled at like a CVS. The CVS in Target has filled it a couple times because I just, it's such a headache. I don't even like taking it there because they make me feel like I'm a felon or something. Her name is April. I don't know if she's still alive. That particular video was placed onto, uh, posted to Twitter a couple of years ago. And that's only part of her story on that video. Um, it breaks your heart, but it happens every day. So the op-ed written by our tour guests, uh, America's Failed Opioid Policy Drove the Tulsa Shooter to Violence. The guests are Dr. Jeffrey Singer, Surgeon Senior Fellow at the Cato Institute. Dr. Singer is a member of the Board of Scientific Advisors of the American Council of Science and Health. And Dr. Richard Menger is the other co-author of the op-ed, neurosurgeon and chief of complex neurosurgery at USA Health. Uh, Dr. Singer, Dr. Menger, good to have you with us. How are you? Good, thank you. <clears throat> thank you for having us. Heartbreaking to hear April, just a minute and 13 seconds, but it happens every day, doesn't it? Yes. <clears throat> uh, the, the main reason this is going on is because um, as opioid overdose death rates started to become quite noticeable, um, policymakers and politicians were looking for somebody to blame. There's always, you always look for somebody to blame. And there were stories coming out of doctors who were operating so-called pill mills, where basically they were using their medical 
degrees and licenses to be drug dealers. Uh, there were reports of dealers who would pay people to fly, for example, down to Florida, where the, a lot of these pill mills were. They would be told, go to this particular doctor, say these things, he'll give you a prescription for a thousand oxycodones, then go to this particular pharmacy and ask for this pharmacist, he'll fill them, and then bring it to me and I'll give you a reward. And this kind of thing was going on, no question. And it's, so it's easy to jump to conclusions. Uh, and so it, quickly it was decided that the overdose crisis was caused by doctors hooking patients on prescription pain pills uh, and then condemning them to a life of addiction and street drugs. But the, actually the science doesn't bear that out. Uh, government's own numbers from the National Survey on Drug Use and Health show that the, the addiction rate to prescription pain pills is basically unchanged since they began studying this in 2002. Um, and other research by the CDC and the University of Pittsburgh have shown that the overdose rate has been actually growing exponentially, at least since the late 70s. The only thing that's changed over the years is which particular uh, drug is predominating among the causes of the overdose deaths. So we really have a growing population of uh, non-medical users of drugs, uh, most of the time accessing these drugs in the black market where these drugs are very dangerous. And around the late 90s, early 2000s, as doctors became more liberal in their prescribing of opioids, and I would argue that's a good thing because they were under treating pain in the, up until the late 80s, early 90s. Um, as, but as they were prescribing more liberally, there were more prescription pain pills available for what is called diversion into the black market. And that became the drug of choice for non-medical drug users. When it was decided, and you, you, know, you had a couple of these very, very uh, elaborate stories, like I just mentioned, which could make people jump to conclusions. When it was decided that doctors were creating this, a whole bunch of efforts were made to get doctors to, to reduce prescribing. So now prescribing has come down 60% since it peaked in 2012. In the meantime, overdose rates have soared. We have now, the CDC just reported, 108,000 total overdose deaths in 2021, 77,000 of which were from prescription, rather from opioids, but 87% of those were from illicit fentanyl, had nothing to do with prescription pain pills. In fact, according to the CDC's own numbers, prescription pain pills are only involved in a, less than 10% of overdose deaths by themselves without any other drugs. Okay. And about 90% of drug overdose deaths are what's called polydrug. It involves things like uh, cocaine, about half the time, methamphetamine, uh, benzodiazepines like Xanax, alcohol. We doctors never prescribe these drugs in combination to patients. Right. So meanwhile, uh, and Dr. Menger will, will attest to this, he, he's a spine surgeon just like Dr. Phillips who was killed. And we doctors are all feeling pressured by licensing boards, law enforcement, even insurance companies to reduce our opioid prescribing. And what all this is doing is it's doing two things. Number one, it's making patients suffer. And some of them are getting desperate and turning to the dangerous black market for relief. Some are committing suicide. Some are threatening doctors like, like this particular patient, uh, this per, uh, murderer. Um, and then at the same time, all of the non-medical users who had been preferring to use basically stolen prescription pain pills, they've long ago moved on to what's a, what the market has, the black market has, has provided them, which is, was first heroin and now heroin and fentanyl, now mostly fentanyl, okay. because prohibition in general tends to 
uh, incentivize the development of more and more potent forms of, of any drug that's prohibited because right. it, so, the more potent you could, it, it, it is, the, the more worthwhile it is to smuggle it and the more you can subdivide it. Okay, let me just bring this uh, this patient into the picture here, and thank you for the background, uh, Doctor Singer. We talk uh, you know, not infrequently about the issue of chronic pain patients on this program, and it's very important to have this background. Now, uh, Doctor Manger, this patient uh, was Michael. His name was Michael Lewis, who underwent spinal surgery in Tulsa about a month ago, and eventually became the man who picked up a gun and tragically shot and killed his surgeon and others before killing himself. And in the op-ed, you both write, while this is shocking, it's not unpredictable. Would you speak to that, please, Dr. Menger? Yeah, I appreciate that. I, I, it's a very, very challenging situation that sort of created a milieu and environment for that friction. So there's there's certainly pressure to limit opioid prescriptions, and, and some of that is you know overarching and some of that's guiding. At the same time, there are direct rules and regulations that make it challenging. So, you know, for example, um, in terms of chronic patients, in terms of spine patients, I treat, you know, complex spine patients with scoliosis and in, in the same manner that, that oncologic patients or cancer patients, they have long-term pain needs, right? So they need, uh, you know, pain coverage for extended periods of time. We know this, but our rules and regulations have us only able to prescribe opioids for a very set short amount of time. Um, so what that does is put chronic refills, uh, what that does is put chronic stress on the patients and the provider to you know, constantly be um, re-prescribing the same medication doses and putting them through um, an e-prescribing network that may or may not work. So the, the reality of that is it, it puts us at friction with our patients, and that's not what we want to do. That's not you know, why we're doctors. That's not why we come to, to work you know, each day to help treat you know, our patients. And I think you know, what it, what it comes to, um, you know, to, to sort of uh, build on exactly what Dr. Singer said, which is, you know, the, the, the sort of the die has been cast in the sense of, of, of someone has to be blamed for this. And I think that, unfortunately, you know, when that happens, the people who suffer are our patients. Right? And it's really, really hard to see our patients, you know, in pain and not have the ability to treat them the way that that we want to the way that our clinical judgment feels feels fit to do so there's no empathy here for what this shooter did none there's empathy for the pain that he suffered and the fact that he couldn't get his pain medications and it's arguably uh, I think the argument can be made uh, and likely sustained that had he been able to uh, receive the pain medication he required following spinal surgery the opioid pain medication he required the shooting would likely never have taken place. Someone died. The doctor died. Others died. And then he killed himself. A terrible, terrible situation. And uh, Dr. Singer, as you said, patients became the drug abusers. Patients, chronic pain patients, patients became drug abusers in the eye of the government. And the government became the big stick interventionist, adding pain on pain. Right. Um and like I said, the government's own U.S. government's own data show that addiction to prescription pain pills has not changed since they began. It's roughly, uh, I think, 1.2 percent of adults since they began taking the uh, data in 2002. You know, this is I've, I've been arguing for a while now. This is really a prohibition crisis. So that's what it's always been. You know, back in the uh, 70s, 80s and early 90s, when the majority of people overdosing on drugs were minorities, inner city people, marginalized groups, then policymakers blamed 
the overdoses on their bad choices, their immoral behavior. But when it began to involve white middle class people in the you know early 2000s, then they blamed it on. They said that that that, that the overdose victims were victims of the pharmaceutical companies and bad doctors. But all along, the blame rests in one place, and that's drug prohibition. Drug prohibition makes non-medical use or, you know, use outside the medical setting of drugs very dangerous because the only place you can get it is in the black market. And the black market, you know, there's no opportunity to be sure about the, uh, the dosage, whether or not it's tainted. And now, so a lot of people uh, who were in, using uh, stolen prescription pain pills. And I would argue that was a lot safer, actually, because they were what they said they were. You knew the dose. They weren't adulterated. They were, they lo- Their source dried up uh, and they have moved on to much more dangerous drugs. That's okay, why the overdose rate is going to, up. Meanwhile, interject with this particular just, uh, point. I'd like to interject with this point, if I could, because we, we only have about three minutes left. Oh, yeah. there, there are doctors. There's a large group of doctors who will support this, you call it the prohibition on, on uh, chronic yeah. pain medication, the opioids. And you, Dr. Singer, you were involved in a debate on that issue just a couple of nights ago in New York City. But yeah. Dr. Menger, what about this? Uh, doctors who support, as you're calling, the prohibition on, on opioids. And the other question I need to ask you, is there an environment now starting to build where doctors are becoming potentially afraid of patients because doctors are afraid to prescribe what they know they need to prescribe? Yeah, so I think, you know, Dr. Singer's been a luminary in in illustrating this before, and I think it's coming to the the surface now. Um, There's definitely, um, you know, an environment of of friction between the physician and between the 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 doctor prescribing pain medication. I think, you know, a lot of the the intentions behind potentially limiting opioid prescriptions, including some of our colleagues who are physicians, they're well-intentioned, but the focus is on the outcome. Right. And I think it's clear from from Dr. Singer's work, from lots of documented data sets from the government's own data sets that that doesn't match reality. So for me, it comes down to how can I treat this human being, this patient who's coming to me to be treated uh, in the safest way possible with the best clinical evidence I have. And for me, it comes down to does the data, does the outcome match the intention of the the goodwill behind their efforts? And and I think that, you know, as as physicians, um, you know, there's certainly you know, we are the focal point of a lot of stresses of the health system, and we are sort of the, the figurehead for that. So I think there is some momentum, um, you know, with that. We're seeing that come out in different ways in different spaces. Okay, we have about 90 seconds. Dr. Singer, there are pain patients listening right now, chronic pain patients. If I open the phone lines, we'd be talking for hours. People who live with constant agony are unable to function. Some think about suicide. There have been suicides. What do you say to the pain patients? I, I I sympathize with their situation uh, tremendously because these these are people who need relief, um, and just because they've been on a drug that cre- there are lots of drugs that cause dependence. Beta blockers cause dependence. You take them for high blood pressure. Antiepileptics cause dependence. Just because your body has developed a dependence on a drug, that's not the same thing as being addicted. And if the drug is doing what it's supposed to be doing, if you're taking it long term and it's giving you enough relief where you can have some uh, productive, meaningful life, then there's absolutely no reason whatsoever to stop that. It's irrational and cruel. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. 
And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.